when you have the repetitions of affirmations, like that's the only voice in your head, repetition of affirmations leads to belief. And once that belief becomes that like deep conviction, things begin to happen. Welcome back to my podcast. This is episode two, Big Ideas in Small Windows, where we offer great solutions in simple ways. It's my pleasure to invite someone as a guest who needs no introduction, but I'm going to brag a little bit about him anyway. Today's featured guest is Diamond Dallas Page, who's well known for his wrestling career and has built a thriving business organized around yoga, calisthenics, and dynamic resistance to improve the overall health and well-being of so many. DDPY is a revolutionary fitness program that anyone can do anywhere, anytime, and it's just called DDP Yoga. Dallas has helped individuals rise from the ashes of struggle, climb to their own new heights because of his inspiring, supportive approach to everything he does and teaches. He has touched the lives of children, been on podcasts, including Joe Rogan's, has his own DDP radio show, had his fourth book published in 2019. What else is he going to call it? Positively Unstoppable. And he saved people's lives with things like this. And did you know that he accomplished all of this with dyslexia? That's right. DDP started out as an underdog himself, fighting against the odds with a third grade reading level. DDP is the classic individual building on his small wins to cumulatively achieve remarkable success. He models the solution for overcoming the odds. Please help me welcoming Diamond Dallas Page. So I'm here with DDP, and it's just such a pleasure to have you. Welcome, my friend. Hey, buddy. <laughs> What's up, brother-in-law? So, a little <laughs> behind-the-scenes story here. Uh, my sister, uh, congratulations to you and my lovely sister, Paige, who uh, got married about a month before this broadcast. And uh, it, I, you guys are just living the life, and I'm, I'm so happy for you guys, you know? Uh, it's awesome. Yeah, so it's been great awesome. getting, getting to know you as a brother-in-law. So, you know, I'm an educator and I do a lot of writing and, uh, you know, podcasting on this. And, you know, I was an underdog uh, and uh, and I probably did a lot more than anybody ever expected. But you have an even bigger story to tell. And it's really amazing for me when I think about what you've told me in terms of your own challenges. So I'd love to hear more about both those challenges and then more importantly, what you did to overcome them to the point where you wrote a book in 2019 about positivity, uh, among some other things you wrote? Well, um, you know, it starts off, uh, you know, you talk about the hurdle of, uh, you know, coming from a broken family, being bounced around like a pinball and ending up at my grandmother's when I was eight years old. And um, anytime that, you know, the teacher would ever, um, would ever go around the class and you read. Well, anytime that ever got around to me, you know, I'd, I'd do something that was going to get me thrown out of class. Now, not the first two times. I distinctly remember the first two times trying to read, you know, and everybody just laughing, you know. And it's okay when people are laughing with you, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially as a kid when they're laughing at you. You know, like, I didn't like that spot. And so I did something to get me sent to the principal's office. When they'd ask me to read the, off the ball, you know, the the blackboard, you know, and it's funny because 
some of my uh, things that were written by my teachers was Paige, because my real first name, like like your uh, your sister and my wife, you know, name is Paige, and uh, you know, my Paige Joseph Falkenberg was my name, but I knew that that name was never going to draw me money in the world of professional wrestling, hence the name Diamond Dallas Page, and I changed my name to Dallas Page many couple decades ago but back when i was a kid everybody knew me as page and the uh the teacher would write page complains about reading the blackboard because he gets headaches and there was another thing that always stuck out to me page doesn't think the rules were meant for him <laughs> uh, um but getting kicked out of the class i never knew you know, anything about dyslexia or ADD or any of that. You know, I just assumed that because I tried. I had even Miss Daisy, who was a teacher that would would give you the extra time and not the teacher in school. My grandmother hired a, you know, a, 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 a teacher a to teach me a tutor how to read. And like she had zero luck, too. And it's really interesting, you know, uh, the way you'll figure out how to get around it. Now, of course, there's no way a kid gets through high school at all unless he cheats. You know, there's like grammar school, you can kind of get away with class participation and whatever, especially back then. There was no way to get around it. So I became kind of, I, I figured how to get around things. And I, even back then, I did a lot for people, you know, friends of mine, I would do for them. And like, I was the jock who was friends with all the kids who would be considered nerds, the smart kids, you know, and I looked out for them, you know, and they looked out for me and they helped me through uh, the journey. And uh, at 30 years old, I was still reading probably at around third grade level. But at wow. 31, I made a decision that I was going to learn how to read proficiently. You know, um, Tony Robbins, I was a big fan of his, uh, and I still am today. Your sister's not, but I, yeah. <laughs> I like but, uh, I, I do too. Um, but I, he taught me things. And he's a couple of years younger than me. Like one of the things was he had these cassette tapes, you know, and even though I couldn't read, I could listen and I was really smart listening, you know, and I could talk about anything. And it, it taught me a lot of, a lot of lessons uh, that, that I needed to learn. And one of them was I was going to learn how to read proficiently. And I set a goal for myself. You know, I think anybody who makes a, a monster decision like that at 30 years old, you know, learn how to read proficiently. Uh, um, reading a book from cover to cover would be the goal, but that was really overwhelming to me. So I, I just, I'm going to read one page from that book every day. Now I know, you know, cause I deal with so many people with weight issues and, um, people trying to, you know, get a hold of their life that if you set a goal or you set a resolution, <laughs> New Year's resolution, if you just say, I'm going to lose, let's just say 50 pounds, just as an example, um, 
there's a really good chance the first week or two, maybe even three, you're going to stick with it. Sure. But then life's going to get in the way. And before you know it, you took off that day. And then the next day, and by the time you hit five days, you've gained five pounds back. And now you're self-destructive and your emotional gravity just sucks you down. So one of the things I learned very early on was just don't think it, ink it. Even if you spell it wrong, which would have been me, but just don't think it, ink it. Even I could spell that. Um, I wrote read today on those little pasted, those little note, those little yellow stickers. Oh, that's right. And, and I put it everywhere. I put it on my bedstand. I put it on my my light next to my my nightstand. I, I put it on my mirror. I put it on my uh, refrigerator. I probably put it in ten different places. And I wasn't gonna. I'm I'm pretty good at parenting myself. Uh, I wasn't gonna take it down, any of them, till I finished reading that book. I know if I didn't write it down, it never would have happened, because like most people life would get in the way you memorialized it you right and you committed it to writing it had to happen yeah and that that's so much the beginning for so many things and you know i always tell people don't set yourself up to fail you know set yourself up like i, I have a goal setting system i call it smackdown the first thing is being specific i'm going to read a book cover to cover measurable in the next year achievable well, if I don't read it every day, maybe not. But achievable, I can read one page from that book every day. Break it down. Compatible. You know, set yourself up in a situation where, you know, it's all around you. And then once you've got that down, keep it going. Do it. Own it. Write it down now. You know, it's part of the goal setting system I set for people for my DDP yoga program. And I got to the end and I finished that book from cover to cover. And uh, it was Lee Iacocca's autobiography. Oh, wow. That's a and, big one, isn't it? Yeah, it was, uh, it was about almost 365 pages. It was something like 345 or something. But uh, really had so much respect for him because he turned around Chrysler, mm -hmm. you know, at that time. They wanted him to run to be the president, you know, to be to run for the presidency. But they were like, you want me to, you know, he was blatant about it. You want me to say this and that and do this and do that? You know, no, I, if I want to run to be the president, I'm going to do it my way. Right. And, you know, and he just bailed out. And, you know, it's, it's a job most people don't want, you know. Wow. So reading that book gave me a, you know, a feeling of confidence. It's kind of like when people start my workouts, you know, and. They start losing weight and they all of a sudden feel more confident, you know, and then they can't do this position yet. But if they keep working on it, I always tell people, you know, one of my favorite quotes is if you say you can or you say you can't, you're right. right. Henry Ford made that famous. But what the hell did he ever do? You know, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, and a lot of people think he invented the car. He did. He invented the assembly line. Right. And there was so many things like Henry Ford. Uh, like I, I remember in Think and Grow Rich and I didn't read that. I listened to it. And uh, at one point, so one of the papers had said something about him being ignorant because he had a sixth grade education. And he sued them. 
for a million dollars, when a million dollars would be like a trillion dollars. He sued him, and when he got up on the stand, I can't remember exactly how he said it, but on his phone or intercom, if he needed to know about combustion, he pushed number one. If he needed to know about accounting, he pushed number two. He had the greatest minds in the business. You know, surround yourself with people who are smarter than you Mm -hmm. and you can still run the show, you know, and he ended up winning a million dollar settlement with that newspaper. Yeah, pretty heavy. When it comes down to, you know, reading, I kept working on it and keep reading and would read things out loud, which could be brutal at times. I mean, right on up into my late 40s and then. I was in a surfing accident uh, with with a guy who became a good friend of mine. And out of it, we ended up having lunch. And I said something about being dyslexic. He goes, so am I. He goes, you have to meet Rose. I'm like, Rose who? He goes, she works at the Eris Learning Center in Culver City. He goes, no, God, I, I hope she's still there. She was 82 when she worked with me. And that was like four or five years ago. So I went there and I asked for Rose and she was still there. Wow. And I would, cause I'd be on the road some weekends when I lived in LA uh, for autograph signings or whatever. Sure. And I was pretty much home every Monday cause I'd come home on Sunday, leave maybe on Friday. So I just took every Monday and every Thursday for about six months. And what I learned kind of had nothing to do with reading. You know, it was mainly exercises that helped you focus. And like he take, let's say five cards and there was some kind of print and you look at them in the order they're in, then she turn them over and mix them all up. It was things like that. It was, there was a lot of things that everything she gave me really helped me get a little bit better a little bit better like your sister last night i was reading something she goes your reading still continues to keep getting better like you read good now i I wouldn't say good you know it's easy reading you know if it's sixth seventh eighth grade reading level i read pretty good that's what most of media is today right a hundred percent that's how I wrote Positively Unstoppable. This book I wrote out of like a sixth, seventh, eighth grade reading. So it's so, it's, it's easy stream to, of consciousness. You can zip right through it. And that was your 2019 book after a couple of previous publications, right? Yes. Yeah. And really, I, this one, I wrote a huge piece of this. I really, I didn't write it all. My second one, the first one was more me on tape, but I did write, I would rewrite parts that they would take out of my words and put their version, and I would rewrite that. Like, no, I don't speak like that. Right. You know? This is me authentically. Right. Yeah. Like when it came to doing the audiobook for this, because they took it because they wanted, a Random House wanted the proper grammar and i don't speak with proper grammar so for me to read it and i just heard danny trejo read his 
and he read it the way I would have read it, you know, and I thought I probably could have done it for this book. It would have taken a long time, but when I speak, I speak with passion. So right. I didn't want to read the words that weren't exactly the way I say it. Then you intended yeah, And there were certain right. things I was like, right. Like when I'm talking, you write it the way I speak, you know, but when the writing, you know, and, and I had so, I was like, I'll do the, the, the introduction. And uh, the next book, which is going to be me and your sister are going to write it. It's called The Secrets of Youth. Because I'm going to be 66 in two months. And I know. You don't look a day over 40, my friend. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I don't perform any other way. Now, there's times when I wake up, I feel 80. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. But so I, do I. I, and, I, I <laughs> and you got a few years on me. <laughs> so, hey, I got to ask you a question about Rose. So, you know, you've mentioned Rose to me before. And to me, you know, to me, mentors come from the least expected places. And one of the things that helps a kid who's struggling to become successful, and you were a 30-year-old kid, because actually I, I could argue you're still a kid in a lot of ways, uh, as I've gotten right. to know you. But yeah, even as a 30-year-old kid, you said, I, I need help. And one of the things that, the, you know, all the research shows in education is windows of opportunity open all the time. It's not just when I'm 11 or when I'm 15. You can be 30 right. and do you did that. You did that and you found someone who I would almost refer to as, even if it's an unofficial mentor, right? And, and so Rose was this like 80 something year old woman who, who said to you, I'm gonna give you assignments and you're gonna work hard. That's the impression I have of Rose. I don't know Rose, but the way you describe her to me. And so is that what you would agree with that she was like a mentor in that capacity? No, no question. But she literally said, I've never had anyone take home the work like you are and you know I don't do anything half ass <laughs> you know and now that I was actually learning and seeing okay there's progress here right you know I wanted I wanted because I knew at some point I would have to get back to you know not being able to get there yep. and to me it's all about dosage meaning like when I go in my hyperbaric chamber I go in it every day I'm home you know, because it continues to just lengthen my lifeline and, and keep me young. It's just one of the things I do. Most people would never do that. They never pay for that machine. No, I you think know? Tom Brady so uses I, one of those too, right? Yeah, Tom Brady yeah. used the, the top athletes in the world. Right. Use them. Because they work. Uh, they No, they work. And it's it's a different level. But the level of commitment is more to later than it is for now, you know, it's, it's, uh, it makes you feel good, but it, it's not like, oh my God, I feel great. It's like, no, I'm putting oxygen on my brain mm -hmm. at 15 PSI, which means I'm like 45 feet below sea level. And wow. there's no one else that can really do that. Right. Unless they're going to the Mayo Clinic or whatever, unless they've invested. I invest everything in myself for the future, you know? Right. and preventative maintenance so with rose you know i i wanted to learn as much as i could and from there what did i learn how to do and it's really interesting because i'll show page something i've written and just say the sentence goes one two three and it's like three you know of, of a stream of consciousness 
a lot of times, two will be where one is and three will be where two is. And I go, is that really weird the way I wrote that? Because I know all I gotta do is go back and change them. And it, now, it, now it makes, it's a better sentence. You right, know, it's you were able to figure really out how to frame it. Right, because yeah. it had no grammar. It's not like I learned anything in grammar school or <laughs> high school right. when it came to English. Yeah, you know, and I had good teachers, and the only reason that I passed through, at the, you know, by the skin of my teeth, because they liked me, and I was, I, I, I tried, you know, and I cheated when I needed to, right? But you know, because I wasn't going to fail high school. But I'll tell you what was embarrassing, and it changed my life when I went with my buddy Jimmy to join the uh, military when I was eighteen. And I failed that test. It can't be that hard. You know, that's what I figured. And like, you can't read. You can't do a lot of things, man. It, it cuts you out of a, of a lot. Yeah, I've heard the saying, literacy is a foundation of all learning. Everything else comes from that. And it's like, that's, that's the key. So, you know, what was really interesting was how you were talking about your own resilience and that's another protective factor that that's all over the research which is you had within you this inner core of determination so you were in a difficult situation you know you've had mentors through your life you've obviously had strong affiliations in uh in all in all kinds of organizations one of which was you know wrestling among others but you also had this strong resilience internally. We've learned now that we can teach kids that, which is really empowering to me as an educator and as, a, as an educational leader. You did that, you just kept, but you did it on your own. And that's really impressive that you, you, know, you, did, you drove and you drove and you drove until you figured out a way, you, know, you kept falling until you got up and, and you just got back up. And I just think about that quote you shared with me from, uh, from Muhammad Ali. You wanna talk a little bit about that? Yeah, because that's really powerful. Um, just to let people know, when you said resilience, I have a documentary out that my company, one of the companies I own is called Comeback Studios. And we produced a documentary called The Resurrection of Jake the Snake that's on Amazon Prime. And it deals with addiction and everyone should use it. So many kids, because of YouTube and all the other things out there, they want to be rich. They want to be famous. Well, there's a heavy handle that comes with hitting the height of being famous. And there's plenty of rock stars, wrestlers, mm -hmm. actors, authors who died very young. And even though it seemed like they had everything, they didn't. So that's they need to see the resurrection of jake the snake uh the other one is relentless and you on you're talking about being resilient mm -hmm. the movie's called relentless and it's how i put you know, blew my back out and they said my career was over which looked like the worst thing ever happened to me which in reality was the best thing ever happened to me and when something happens to you that's really catastrophic you know, something that's really bad. If you just breathe, stay focused on what can come good out of this, it can really be the best thing that ever happened to you. But in this scenario, it wasn't just to me. It's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that it, it was the best thing that happened to them. So that just on that relentless, uh, that resilient thing. Um, so 
my other favorite quote is the repetitions of affirmations leads to belief. And once that belief becomes a deep conviction, things begin to happen. Now, a lot of people don't even know what an affirmation is. An affirmation is really the story you tell yourself. It's your inner voice. You can control it. Most people don't. They let it control them. You know, when, when you really learn and understand that 70 72% is the, one of those Harvard studies or somebody's study uh, that means something. 72% of the things we worry about never happened. Never weren't an issue. Never happened. And with that can come so much despair and emotional gravity that you can get sucked <laughs> to the ground. So when I say repetitions of affirmation, that can be really bad. Mm. If you don't know or created a positive affirmation. You got to channel it. Exist. You got to channel it. And, and then you got to write it down or, or you got to put it in your phone. And to get yourself to really own it, set an alarm on your phone. No one can tell me, well, I didn't have a pen. And I couldn't write it down. Everyone's got a phone. I don't care how poor you are, you got a phone. Right. <laughs> and you can write in the phone and you can set an alarm. It's how I do everything. And the repetitions of affirmation, taking that to 2017, when I went in the WWE Hall of Fame, I had written this speech. I wrote it 100%. That was 27 minutes long. They wanted to hear it because they don't want it to be over. They don't want it to be over 15. So they wanted to hear it. So I did it for them. They were like, don't go over 30. Do it exactly the way you did it. <laughs> so Eric Bischoff comes on and does his 12 minutes for inducting me. And then I'm coming out. Now, leading up to that, I very easily could have been in my head with a negative affirmation. I could have been focusing on the fact that I hadn't been in front of 20,000 people because it's not like we're at a dinner with 500 people. There's 20,000 people in the arena. It's an arena. <laughs> it's an arena, you know? Uh, and there's millions of people watching on USA and on the network. So I could have very easily been in my head, like, what was I thinking? Oh my God, I haven't been in front of a crowd like this in so long. And what, what if my iPad freezes and I, and I can't you know, get my notes for what I right. do? But what, if, what if it shuts off? And what if I forget where I am? Like, it's really easy to work yourself up with a really debilitating affirmation right but that wasn't my affirmation the only affirmation that i had was i'm what this is going to be the greatest thing i have ever done in professional wrestling i am going to blow everyone away i'm going to make them laugh 
I'm going to make him cry. Like, best thing ever, it's the only thing that was on my mind. If you go to Peacock, where WWE has their all their videos, all their pay-per-views, all the stuff that goes on goes immediately on Peacock, which they paid to rent the WWE for five years, one billion with a B wow. dollars. Rent their catalog. If you go to Hall of Fame 2017, you'll hear Eric Bischoff induct me. And then I will come out and deliver a mic drop baddest induction speech ever. And it'll make you laugh. It'll choke you up. Even if you don't know anything about it, most of all, it'll inspire you. And when you have the repetitions of affirmations, like that's the only voice in your head, repetition of affirmations leads to belief. And once that belief becomes that like deep conviction, things begin to happen. Now, when I first saw that, I looked at the guy who said the quote, made it famous. I'd never heard it before. Yet the guy was one of my heroes growing up as a kid and all through my you know, life ever since then. And I see him, that quote and I'm like, I know his affirmation. All I could hear was, I am the greatest. Right. I'm the greatest of all time. I float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. This guy right here, Muhammad Ali, he called the lockup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was one of the greatest days of my life. The next time I saw him, when I walked in the green room, Diamond, <laughs> come over here. And that's what he did to me. <laughs> I bet he got a good shot. <laughs> Yeah, it was awesome. The next time he was just leaving in a van as I was pulling up and I screamed, Ali! And they pulled the van over and I got to walk up to him. They opened the door. He gave me a hug. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Powerful, man. It is. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Big Ideas in Small Windows. Dallas gave me so much material that we're going to do a part two with him on our next episode. Also, please note in the show notes a 25% discount for his DVDs if you're interested at ddpyoga.com under the code Big Ideas in Small Windows. We'll see you next time.